Welcome to MTSU on the Record. I'm Jenna Logue, and we're coming to you from the campus of Middle Tennessee State University in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. When people are in distress or being criminally victimized, they call 911. The individual on the other end of that call is enormously important in making sure that the caller receives help in a timely manner. Yet these dispatchers receive a mere pittance in salary by comparison to other people who work for public safety agencies. Catherine Rowe is a graduate student who has worked as a 911 dispatcher for nearly a year. Her editorial on 911 dispatchers recently appeared in Gannett newspapers, including the Tennessean. We'll talk to Catherine Rowe about her work and her studies after this. Here are some of the headlines making news at mtsunews.com, the university's news and information website. Murfreesboro Municipal Airport has been awarded a 2020 Aeronautics Economic Development Fund grant of $1 million, the maximum grant approved from the Aeronautics Division of the Tennessee Department of Transportation. The Economic Development Grant will be used toward the expansion of the apron at the MTSU Aerospace Airport campus. Construction will include the development of Taxiway E, which will allow for aircraft to maneuver in and out of new facilities. The MTSU Aerospace Department has experienced over 30% growth in the last three years. Today, more than 1,000 students are enrolled in the nationally recognized program. And MTSU is partnering with Motlow State Community College to host a Finish Your Degree Q&A event Thursday, February 6th. It'll be held at the D.W. Wilson Community Center in Tullahoma. The Come and Go event will run from 3.30 to 6.30 p.m. at the center, which is located at 501 North Collins Street. Working adults and professionals will learn how they can finish their degree faster at MTSU and get that missing piece for their resume. Degree coordinators, academic advisors, and admission counselors from MTSU will talk with attendees one-on-one to answer questions about transferring prior credits, choosing a degree, getting admitted to MTSU, and enrolling in courses to get started. For MTSU News at any time, go to mtsunews.com. Katie, welcome. Thank you for being with us. Yeah, thank you for having me. For which law enforcement agency are you working, or would you rather not say? I work for the Murfreesboro City Police and Fire Department. As of February 2nd, it will be a year. This editorial that you wrote was an assignment you fulfilled for your social policy analysis class, which is taught by Dr. Adele Monteblanco. Did you expect it to be picked up and published so widely? I did not expect to have an assignment like that. Um, I wasn't really sure what assignments we would have in social policy. And so whenever we were assigned an op-ed, I was really excited um, because this is a really important topic and I was doing my thesis on it anyways. And I had been wondering, how can I get word out about the 911 Saves Act? And she was like, well, we can see about publishing op-eds and go from there. And I wrote mine up and everybody in the class was like, yeah, go and send it out to everybody. And so I sent it to a few different places and I heard back from the Tennessean and the Washington Post and I went with the Tennessean. Why did you want to go to work as a 911 dispatcher? Well, 
Uh, to be honest, when I applied for the position, I just thought that it was going to be a, it was listed as a communication specialist. <laughs> and I thought I was going to be working in records. And then I got a call saying, hey, we need you to come in and take the critical 911 test. And I was like, oh, goodness, what did I sign up for? Mm-hmm. And so I went and I took the test and I went through rounds and rounds of interviews. And by the time I was hired and got through orientation, It was a three-week-long orientation, and I learned so much about public safety and law enforcement and dispatching and just everything that goes on behind the scenes, and I fell in love immediately. And I wanted to work in law enforcement anyways, but this is just a really good learning experience for me, for sure. And so after all that vetting and all that training, you had to be shocked when you learned how little it pays. Oh, yes. And I just got out of training. It's about a nine-month training period. So it's different based on each role. So for me, I'm a communication specialist one, and I answer emergency, non-emergency calls. I enter data into the federal uh, crime databases, things of that nature, uh, do a lot of documenting, do a lot of reporting. Um, and then I do radio backup. Uh, I don't personally work on the radio, and my salary is Mm 30000-ish. And then people who do the radio, it's a couple thousand more than that. And there's people who are training, communications training officers, and they get an extra couple thousand added on. Um, But like the highest, I would say, I don't think it goes over 45. I have asked a uh, criminal justice administration professor before why dispatchers make relatively little money and he couldn't give me a sufficient answer is it perceived to be a less important position because you're safely in a building as opposed to putting your life on the line on the street uh lives do depend on what you do and how you do it even though your life is not at risk physically. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, So we're listed as clerical administrative. At least most agencies are still in the process of making the change uh, to public safety. But right now, most dispatchers are clerical administrative employees. And a lot of that is just like historically, this job was just to sit behind a desk and answer the phones. And I don't think people realized everything that needed to be done with that. So there needs to be accurate data written down of what you're taking on the call, because whatever you get from the phone call has to be dispatched to our officers and our officers have to know exactly what's going on, because if we don't tell them what's going on, they could go into a situation and get shot or get hurt. And then that's on us for not documenting it properly. So the original thing was, well, it's going to be an easy desk job and most women can do the desk job while men can go out and, you know, work in the field. And so it just kind of falls back on, well, it's easy for women to work behind a desk and answer phones and so they can take lower pay as clerical administrative workers. It's not as easy as even getting the correct information to the police officers because there is also the role of having to deal with people in crisis, people who are hysterical, people who think that someone's breaking into their house, people who might be on the uh, business end of a domestic violence incident. All kinds of situations in which you're dealing with traumatized people or extremely angry people who can't get a grip on the situation. And that requires more than just uh, clerical skills. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. You have to be willing to 
understand and work with people of all backgrounds. Like you can't be biased. You can't have any bias towards anyone really. And just because they have an opinion does not mean that, you know, you can disagree with them. It doesn't mean that you can't send them help because of their opinions based off what they say on the phone call. Our job is to make sure that the public is safe and that our officers and law enforcement are safe. And so no matter what we are getting on the phone call, they're screaming, yelling, cussing at us. We have to get the information and make sure that they get the help they need because it's not about us they're calling us on the worst days of their lives. Like you don't call 911 whenever you're having a good day. So. Right. And uh, th- there are some people who call for really idiotic reasons, like they didn't get onions on their Big Mac or something like that. But that's a whole other issue. Yeah. Yeah. We get we get a lot of 911 calls about ducklings in the roads or things of that nature that really don't need to be called into 911 for. But it happens. And uh, every amount of time that people in the public take up your time and your effort with silly, trivial things like that takes away from the effort you could be putting into helping save someone's life. Mm-hmm. And when that does happen, too, we always advise our callers, hey, this is our non-emergency line. Do you mind disconnecting and calling back on this phone number? Mm-hmm. And we also give them backup numbers. You know, if this this phone number doesn't answer, we call this phone number, things of that nature. So we make sure that our callers know who to call. Sometimes they still call back on 911 just mm-hmm. because they don't remember the phone number or they didn't write it down. But that's OK. Uh, we're still going to help no matter what. We'll take a break here. We'll be back in just a moment. This is MTS. You on the record. The Tennessee Civil War National Heritage Area is managed by MTSU Center for Historic Preservation. A partnership unit of the National Park Service, the Heritage Area tells the whole story of America's greatest challenge, offering assistance with Civil War and Reconstruction Era programs. Our projects include historic driving tours, museum exhibits, and nominations to the National Register of Historic Places. For all the latest MTSU news and information, go to mtsunews.com. The MTSU Department of Art has the newest facility for visual arts in the state with approximately 50,000 square feet of space, including high-tech computers and computer-driven equipment for multimedia, graphic design, printmaking, sculpture, painting, and ceramics. We feature a visiting artist lecture program and an exhibition program that exposes students to work by national and international artists. To find out more, visit mtsunews.com. Catherine Rowe, she's a graduate student. She has worked as a 911 dispatcher for almost a year. Uh, recently, she wrote an editorial on 911 dispatchers and why they are paid relatively poorly uh, that appeared in Gannett newspapers, including the Tennessean. One of the things you talk about in the editorial is the 911 Saves Act. What is that and what is its status in Congress right now? Sure, yeah. So the 911 Saves Act is a House bill right now sponsored by Norma Torres, who is a United States House representative out of California. Um, And basically, the bill is to reclassify 911 dispatchers across the country from clerical administrative to public safety slash first responders. So there are agencies that are already classified as that, but it's very minimal. 
and most agencies have their communication departments and communication teleworkers classified as clerical administrative. So right now it is in the House. I believe it's passed a few committees and it's just kind of sitting right now waiting. I think there are other bills right now with the new, you know, election coming in and things of that nature that have just kind of pushed it back a little bit. So it's just at a standstill right now. But it's caused a lot, a lot of progress for local and city departments. So it's really inspired people to go to their own city governments or local governments or state governments and be like, hey, we want this passed here because this is what we deserve. And so agencies across the states are all swapping from clerical administrative to public safety first responders uh, status just, you know, left and right. So it's really awesome. There does seem to be a new appreciation of first responders in society, especially since 9-11. But when uh, people use that term, and there's even a a first responders college football bowl game (laughs) to raise attention to it. But uh, when people use the term first responders, they're inclined to think of police, fire, and uh, paramedics. Mm -hmm. The dispatcher is not top of mind because the dispatcher is someone you don't see. It's a disconnected voice on the end of a phone line. And uh, to reclassify a dispatcher as a first responder would seem quite logical in light of the job description and what the dispatcher actually does. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah, for sure. And I think the main thing is just educating people because so many people in the public don't realize that a 911 dispatcher isn't just somebody who answers 911 calls and it isn't just somebody who talks on the radio to our officers. We do so much more than that. And if it weren't for us, officers would not be able to safely do their jobs. And so, yeah, we're not on the scene first, technically, but we are remotely on the scene first. So even though we are in our communication centers safe at a desk per se, we are there on the phone with the caller until help arrives. We are getting every detail. We are making sure they are safe. We are walking them through, giving them instructions, making sure our officers are aware of where they are, where, you know, if anybody else is in the home, if anybody is fighting, if anybody has weapons, We are making sure that everybody knows every detail possible to make sure that the officers are safe and that our callers are safe because that's Mm -hmm. top priority. And um, I mean, we're there the whole time when we disconnect with our callers. We're there on the radio with our officers. And so we may not physically be there on scene, but remotely we are on scene with them. Does caller ID make it easier for you to tell where someone is calling from? Well, if they call into 911 on a cell phone, we often get a thing called a phase two location, which is really great because it provides us where they are at that moment with like a 90 to 95 percent confidence radius. Depending on where it pinged, the signal pinged off the cell tower. Correct. And then if it's a landline phone, we know their exact address. However, there's new technology now and it's called Rapid SOS and it is amazing just amazing. Um, We enter phone numbers who call 911 if we can't get a phase two location into this uh, database and into this website and it generates their location for us and it gives us our like the 25 next locations that this person is at. So if they're like I can't talk. I'm going to put you down. And then they just keep us in their lap or they keep us in their pocket while they're in this emergent situation. We can track them 
through Rapid SOS and find their location. Because somebody might having to be having to whisper because they feel somebody is in the house mm-hmm. and they, they don't want to be heard. Uh, recently, there was a story about a woman who pretended she was ordering a pizza mm-hmm. so that she would not attract the attention of the aggressor in her home. Uh, and uh, the 911 dispatcher was slick enough to pick up on the fact that she was concealing her true reason for calling. Mm-hmm. But she had to stay on the line long enough for the technology to kick in and for him to figure out where she was, right? Right, yeah. And so we ask a series, it's called sequencing. We ask a sequencing effective questions, uh, per se, just kind of getting, you know, location information and everything we ask, we make sure we can do it in yes or no answers in case they cannot respond any other way. So, like, if they can't talk, we'll whisper, like, are you able to talk right now? Mm -hmm. If they say no... We'll get information and tell them to act like they're talking about something else, but in a way that lets us know, like, no, this is not what's happening. Yes, this is what's happening. Things of that nature. So we make sure that we all have our sequencing of questions for each call that could come in and then go from there. How do you personally deal with uh, the stresses of the job? Well, I do a lot of self-reflection. So... It's very busy in a 911 center, especially in a city like Murfreesboro. We have a smaller um, communication center and the city is growing so fast. A lot of times we're understaffed. And unfortunately, that's how it is for a lot of the communication centers across the country, which is really the need for the 911 Saves Act and for like the need for the reclassification because we're so understaffed and this job has such a high turnover because of the stress and because of the, you know, underpay of this job as opposed to what we do. We do so much and aren't really compensated for it as we should be. Um, So when it comes to stress, I get home and I self-reflect and I usually think about my calls. What makes me feel better is following up on calls if it's a call that I can follow up on. So I had a call from somebody who is in a domestic situation, but she was out of our jurisdiction. And she said she was coming into our jurisdiction and would give us a call and we never heard anything from her. And I called her just to check to make sure she was okay. And I mean, it was just really rewarding to see like, yeah, I got the help I needed because you gave me the advice for this jurisdiction. And that always makes me feel better just following up with my callers because we don't always know the outcome, unfortunately, in the dispatch center. So going out of the way to really like get your callers trust and make sure that they are okay is really rewarding. And that helps the stress for sure. But you say that you reflect with that, which is really interesting because I have known people like police officers who say, yeah, after working a 12 hour shift, when I get home, I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to hear about it. I don't want to impose it on my wife and kids. I just want to get a beer and chill out in front of the TV set. So everybody has <laughs> yeah. a different way mm-hmm. of dealing with uh, the incredible responsibility that mm-hmm. comes with the job. And we are so busy. I mean, you don't really have time to think, oh, my goodness, that was a tough call. Before you move on to the next call, we have 911 calls ringing off the hook. We have radio people who need us to respond. We have non-emergent phone calls that we need to answer, things that need to be entered into the databases. You don't really have time to think about, man, I really need a break, like a mental five-minute break from that call. You don't have time to do that. And so 
I have found it really helpful just afterwards to either call my fiance or fill in my sister like, hey, this is kind of what happened today. This is what I felt. Just talk about it with somebody because that's one thing that dispatchers don't really have the privilege of is debriefing after calls. And most law enforcement like police and fire and paramedics, they are required to go through debriefing after a really traumatic event. And we take traumatic calls But then we just have to go on to the next traumatic call. And so we don't really get that debriefing opportunity, which is something else that the 911 Saves Act will help with for sure. Well, we have to take a break right now, and we'll do that. This is MTSU on the record. The Concrete Industry Management Program at MTSU fills the need for trained personnel who know concrete technology and techniques. Our alumni go into the marketplace grounded in basic math and science and able to promote products or services related to the industry. Our participation in the academic common market ensures talented students in other states a chance to enroll on an in-state tuition basis. This is Dr. Heather Brown, director of the program. To find out more information on this or other university programs, visit mtsunews.com. The Tennessee Early Childhood Training Alliance, or TECTA, works to improve the quality of child care in Tennessee by establishing a statewide training and professional recognition system. Through TECTA, child care providers may be eligible for free orientation training, tuition support for early childhood academic courses, and networking opportunities, as well as other services. For all the latest MTSU news and information, go to mtsunews.com. We're talking about being a 911 dispatcher, a highly responsible position for which the pay is not terrific. Catherine Rowe is a graduate student. She is a 911 dispatcher, and she wrote an editorial that appeared in several newspapers recently. Are you legally liable for mistakes that you make, like if you send the cops to the wrong address or something like that? We are liable for everything we do, so it is very common for dispatchers and telecommunicators to end up in court because they accidentally sent the fire department to the wrong address on a house fire, or we accidentally type in the wrong phone number. And so whenever we forget to ask about weapons and then we have to call back, but we got the wrong phone number and can't call back, then that's on us if an officer goes and the person does have weapons and then they get hurt because we didn't ask that question to begin with. So that's why we have this series of questions to make sure we get all the information that we need. And we have to ask it in the correct order because, you know, it is important to know where you are first, who you are, and if there are weapons, if people are safe or injured, that's what we ask next. And then we get just kind of the background information after that. Every once in a while, the news media will run a a crime story uh, complete with a 911 dispatcher tape in which uh, the dispatcher performs Poorly, nastily, abruptly, ineptly, sparking a certain amount of outrage. How do you feel when you watch something cringeworthy like that? It makes me sick to my stomach. (laughs) We at the Murfreesboro City Police Department have just the best training program and the best training coordinator that I've ever worked with. I mean, she's phenomenal. The training program is amazing. And they make sure we know our stuff. We have three weeks of orientation and then 700 hours of just call taking training. 700 full hours. And that seems like a lot, but that's how much you need. I mean, that's like, I'd say four or five months worth. And then they have you do an independent phase where you do it by yourself, but you're still in training. And it's just really 
phenomenal. And so we at the Murfreesboro City Police Department are trained to speak with our callers, just you know, with respect, with courtesy, and just to do our job properly and with the image of the Murfreesboro City Police Department and Murfreesboro City in mind. Because we're not just representing dispatch, we're representing our officers, we're representing our city, our mayor, our town, you know, our people. So that's really important. So when I see people who yell at their callers or tell them to shut up or say that they're not going to send them help if they don't give them the information they need. You can't say that to people. These people are calling you for help and they trust you and you're breaking their trust. Is your supervisor watching you all the time? We have supervisors on each shift. Um, we have different shift supervisors and then we have our training supervisor and then we have our boss. And well, he's the director of the communications department and he's great. He His hours are just eight to five Monday through Friday, but he's in every day. He comes into every single shift whether it be early mornings or midnights or anything, he comes in and he checks on us every day. And so it's really great because we know even if our supervisor can't help, the director is going to be there to help. And we always have somebody there if we need them. How has this experience informed your your studies as a graduate student? Yeah, so I'm actually doing my thesis over this. I'm doing um, emergency communications, a quantitative survey um, of emotional labor. So what I'm looking at is how does the stress and the nature of the calls and things affect dispatchers' physical and mental health and like their personal lives, their work lives, because there isn't really any research on dispatchers. There's research on law enforcement and there's research on, you know, the fire departments and paramedics and things, but there isn't hardly any research on 911 dispatchers and what they experience. And so working at the police department and the 911 Saves Act has been really great because I feel like it's put me in such an awesome position to do this research and to go out of my way to meet all these people from different agencies to present at conferences. And I'm getting to inform people about something I love and I'm passionate about, but also something that is so important and that we need. I mean, people need 911 to be there and to do their jobs correctly. I'm just blessed and privileged to be able to research the 911 dispatchers. Yeah. What do you intend to do after you graduate? After I graduate, I'm getting married. And then <laughs> and then I would like to pursue my PhD in sociology criminology. Um, I still would like to work in the 911 centers until I graduate with my PhD. That's going to be a few years down the road, obviously. But then I would ultimately like to work for the federal government out in the field, maybe FBI, TBI, something like that. Do you get very many 911 hang-ups? Because my nephews, when they were little bitty, got on the phone and started playing with 911. <laughs> and boy, did their father light into them when he got <laughs> home. But grown-ups do this sort of stupid thing, too. Oh, yes. We get so many 911 open lines and hang-ups. So people accidentally, you know, will pocket dial us while they're on the road driving. And we have to sit there and make sure that they're safe and then call them back. Or, if, you know, if there's noise in the background, we most of the time we send on open lines or hang-ups just because you never know. Mm -hmm. And especially if they don't answer on our callbacks, we send on it to make sure they're okay. But nine out of ten times, it's a kid playing with the phone. It's a person who has pocket dialed us. Or it's like these new Apple watches because if you hit the button three times, it calls us. <laughs> and then they call back and they're like, I'm sorry, that was my watch. And we're like, we know. <laughs> well, Katie, thank you for the uh, important work that you do and the important studying that you do. Yes, ma'am. Well, thank you so much for having me. We'll be right back. 
The Army ROTC College Program at MTSU prepares students mentally, physically, and emotionally to become leaders and promotes virtues of duty, honor, country. ROTC cadets are involved in all academic disciplines, athletics, and student organizations at MTSU. Full scholarships and tuition assistance are awarded based on merit. All cadets upon graduation will serve their country as second lieutenants either in the Army, Army Reserve, or Army National Guard. For all the latest MTSU news and information, go to mtsunews.com. The Tennessee Employment Relations Research Association, or TERA, gives labor relations specialists and academics a chance to share their views and their data. Terra wants academics and other interested in human resources and industrial relations to work together at meetings and conferences to strengthen the workplace. Many MTSU faculty belong to Terra, which has members in 20 states and 7 nations. For all the latest MTSU news and information, go to mtsunews.com. Jimmy Hart has the middle moment. Tennessee State Representative Harold Love Jr. challenged those attending MTSU's recent observance of the Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. holiday. Harkening back to King's own challenge to the nation more than 50 years ago, the Nashville lawmaker urged the hundreds in attendance to choose community over chaos. King understood that Americans would have to face this challenge of how do we move from here. He understood that black Americans would see the disparities in their communities and demand that the disparities be eliminated. The question that he asked in 1967 is still applicable today. All one need do is glance at the TV, read a paper, or log on to any number of social media sites to see that we are at a crossroads. That's MTSU on the Record. I'm Jenna Logue. Thanks for listening. MTSU on the Record, a news and information program about Middle Tennessee State University is produced by the university's marketing and communications office, which is solely responsible for its content. Read more about MTSU at our website, mtsunews.com. Podcasts of this program are available at mtsunews.com and on iTunes.